the introductory episode of Peace, Love, and Psychology. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Raker. In the little bit of time that we're going to spend together today, I wanted to address a few questions that you might have as you're trying to decide whether or not to give a listen to the rest of the podcast series. Those questions might revolve around, who am I? Why did I start this podcast? And what is it that you can hope to gain by taking this journey together with me? So let's address these questions together, shall we? I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. What that means is that from the beginning of my career, I've worked in clinical settings. A clinic is basically where anyone who feels some sort of distress with their behavioral health, their mental health, can come in. And my job as a clinical psychologist is to diagnose and then to treat the issues that are troubling that person. This is a little bit different than people that work in research settings, whether at a university or a corporation. And the type of degree that I have, which is a PsyD degree, that means that I have a doctorate in psychology versus a PhD, which is a doctorate of philosophy in psychology. And the major difference between the two types of graduate programs is that people that work in PhD programs often work under someone on the faculty of that university who's doing some sort of a large research project. And as that person works through their graduate program, they may start doing data compiling and other things for that faculty member, and then later in their career at at the graduate program, they may begin to do things like screening participants for the research study and then administering various protocols for the research study. And so if a person in a PhD program ever really does clinical work, it often comes at the very tail end of their graduate career. By contrast, as a PsyD student, I began working in the field with patients my second year in graduate school. In my case, I began my work in an assessment center where we did things like personality and cognitive testing, testing for learning disabilities, testing for mental disorders, and the types of people that could come into our testing center were people from all walks of life. We serviced both the US, uh, UC schools, which was the University of California system, as well as the CSU schools, the California State University schools. And then we also serve students who attended all the various community colleges throughout Southern California, as well as people out in the private community who just wanted to come in and get testing and had been referred by other people to answer questions about their mental health. From there, within my graduate program, I worked in several other settings, including at a board and care facility, or what's sometimes referred to as a lockdown facility, which just meant that it was a patient, an inpatient facility where people with serious mental illnesses and what we call dual diagnoses would reside and then receive treatment throughout the day. A dual diagnosis is just someone who has some sort of a serious mental illness combined with something like a substance use disorder or a trauma disorder or something like that. And then I also worked in college mental health centers. I worked for different, uh, two different community college systems, working in their clinical sites, seeing the college students that were attending those community colleges. And then later in my career as a postgraduate student, I worked again within the community college system, this time working, delivering services in a clinic, as well as training other interns to do the sort of work that I had been trained to do. Also along the way, as I worked in the community college setting, 
I did some specialty work in threat assessment and intervention, which simply meant that I was a designated person who went through special training at the Sheriff's Department for our county, as well as with the FBI and the Homeland Security Bureau. And then I attended briefings at the Joint Regional Intelligence Center addressing threats to the college campus. So if someone had posed a threat of violence either to themselves or to someone on one of our campuses, I would often be part of the team that would go out and interview that person, assess the risk that they pose to our college campuses, and then work with my uh, peers and my colleagues from other agencies to develop some sort of a plan to manage that risk so that we could keep everyone safe. My focus in my graduate program, as well as what I have done mostly professionally since the time that I became independently licensed, has to do with trauma. And I was very interested in this, just having seen the impact of trauma in people's lives as I was growing up and going through my own life. I had lost friends to suicide. Often there was some sort of trauma in their past. I had also seen the effects firsthand of trauma within family systems and among my friends. And so by the time I got to graduate school, I was very interested in doing deeper work into what the roots of trauma were and how we heal that. And the dissertation that I did when I was in graduate school had to do with discussing the prevalence of previously undiagnosed traumatic disorders among the patients that I was seeing in graduate school, because it was far more common than we had been led to believe. And so this was something that I thought would be useful uh, in terms of really helping people. And that was my ambition into getting into psychology in the first place. I just wanted to help people and see if I could relieve suffering out in the community. And so throughout my career, as, as all doctors do, I've had to do continuing education, and I've invested a large portion of my continuing education within the field of trauma as a specialty. And so I've trained a lot in PTSD and the related disorders. Over time, I've taken additional in-depth training in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, trauma-focused cognitive therapy, mindfulness interventions to deal with trauma, and then I've also done training at the Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Institute of America down in San Diego, California. And I've been trained in the application of EMDR and related protocols for both simple and complex trauma situations. Now, what I found that a lot of other people in my field have found as they work with trauma is that it doesn't, fo it doesn't function just by itself in isolation that in many cases trauma also operates related to a couple of other related um, fields of disorders. One of those areas is grief and bereavement, because whenever we have been exposed to a traumatic experience, often there is some sort of loss involved with that, whether that's a loss of our own function or a loss of life uh, with someone that we knew or were close with, or even just a loss of identity and meaning, and that often starts to develop a grief and bereavement response within the individual. And then on a related topic, I also had found that a lot of the people that I worked with were dealing with chronic pain and or chronic medical conditions and injuries that might have been associated with their trauma. And so once I became independently licensed, I worked with a number of different clinics. Some of them were simply psychological services clinics where I worked alongside social workers and licensed professional counselors and psychiatrists. And then I also worked in medical clinics, often oriented around chronic pain or chronic medical conditions, where I would evaluate the patients that were coming in, either for certain procedures 
by the physicians or also developing interventions to help them cope with their chronic pain and their chronic injuries from a psychological perspective. One of the unique things about my career path is that Unlike many of my colleagues, I've had the great honor throughout my career of working with many individuals who otherwise would never have seen someone like me. What I mean by that is when people work in either college clinics or just in a general psychological clinic, many of the people that come in seeking services are well aware that they have chronic ongoing conditions, things like depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or any number of other sorts of disorders. And oftentimes they've been in therapy before, they're somewhat familiar with various treatment modalities, they're sometimes looking for a new therapist because their old therapist has either retired or left the area, or maybe the patient has moved to a different city and is seeking a new therapist. Whereas because of my involvement with trauma work, many of the people that I've seen would never have sought out a psychologist or someone in my field otherwise. And these could be people that are just ordinary people that had been through a terrible experience. Any number of tragedies such as accidents or mass tragedy events, people that had even lost homes to wildfires or had been in terrible auto accidents. And I've also had the opportunity to work with people in law enforcement, in the military, first responders, other emergency personnel. And because of my association with a lot of medical doctors, I've been very honored to work with people who are within the medical field, who come to see me as a colleague to help sort through some of the issues they've had. So I've been very privileged throughout my career to work with many people who otherwise would never have spoken to a psychologist or someone like me. And I think one of the skills or one of the strengths that I've developed over time as an adaptation is the ability to both listen and empathize with people who come from many different walks of life and then also in communicating with them to translate what can sometimes be very complex or somewhat obscure psychological principles into everyday language, into the sorts of examples and useful information that a person can take and find accessible. And that's really one of the things that has driven me to do this podcast, is as I work with so many different types of people from different walks of life, I found that it, I often am able to reach many different people in ways that are helpful. And I find also that I'm oftentimes saying similar things to many different types of patients. And I thought that might be helpful to talk about what some of these overarching themes of mental health are and bring them to you, the listening audience, in a way where using plain language, you can maybe take some of these principles and begin applying them to your own life so that you can address some of the things that might be causing you trouble. Now, of course, Listening to a podcast is not the same as being in therapy, and this is never intended to be a replacement for actual psychotherapy in any way. But what I am hoping is that if you, like me and like many other people, are searching for techniques that you might apply in your own life to help you get through some areas that are posing difficulty to you, or maybe just improve certain areas of your life, that you can find the information in this podcast useful and accessible so that you can take these principles, start to explore how you might apply them in your own life, and maybe see some improvement, even though you may not necessarily be in therapy yourself. And one of the other hopes that I have for people who listen to the podcast is that if you are in therapy, and maybe you have felt stuck, or maybe you've struggled, or maybe you're even trying to decide whether to be in therapy, 
that maybe by listening in a little bit on some of the thought processes that I go through as I diagnose and treat patients with many different common disorders, I hope that this helps you understand and have a little bit of self-compassion and then maybe see that it might help you to be in therapy with someone like me in your own community. There are so many good people available to work with you and I, I say that as someone who works not only in the state of Colorado and New Mexico, having worked in California before and worked with people throughout the United States in different uh, capacities, I have found that there are so many good colleagues of mine who are in the field, whether they're psychologists or social workers or licensed professional counselors, so many good people that are just standing by to help you get through a difficult time. So those are a little bit about me and a little bit about why I started the podcast and also just to give you kind of a preview of what it is that I hope you get out of it. As I said, this is not the same as being in therapy, but hopefully it is a support to you. Hopefully it demystifies some of the principles that you often might hear about on other social media platforms that have to do with psychology and mental health. And more than anything, I hope that it gives you hope that you can, by the application of some basic principles, achieve better results in your life. And that's really the point of good mental health is that it helps us to enjoy deeper, more meaningful relationships. It helps us to find contentment in the work that we do and in our place in society. And that's why I decided to name this, this podcast Peace, Love, and Psychology, because I have found that good mental health leads to a peaceful sense of well-being, and hopefully it empowers us to find the kind of love that makes life meaningful. That's my hope for you as you listen to the podcast going forward. If you have any feedback, I hope that you'll provide that through the comments that are available in each podcast. Uh, if there's things that you'd like to see in future episodes, I really do encourage you to reach out and offer some of your ideas and some of your feedback, and I'll work through some of these topics in future episodes. In conclusion, I want to thank you for joining me for this introductory episode to Peace, Love, and Psychology. I hope that you're as excited as I am to get into some of these topics together, and I really do hope that you're able to take some of the things that we talk about and apply them to your own life so that you can experience greater peace and love and meaning in your life. Thank you so much. Take care.